0: And joining me again this week is Daniel. Welcome, Daniel. Hi again. Uh, It's good to be back. Great to have you back. And so you're here to tell us about the second scenario of the Rise of Carthage campaign. And I'm really excited to hear about it. So would you please tell us kind of the foundation of where we're going with the second scenario?
1: The last time we talked, we were talking about the first scenario, Oxhide. And today we are going to talk about the second scenario of the Rise of Carthage, that is the whole campaign. the second scenario, riches and influence, takes place around a century after you finish the first scenario. And at this point, the balance of power is quite different. So in the first scenario, you were beginning as a really humble, upstart colony. And by the start of the second scenario, Carthage, that is you, it's a respectable nation. So it's not quite as powerful as some of the other nations around it, but it's much more than a small colony. At this point, it is a st- stable set of cities. It's definitely more powerful than the surrounding tribes, which are still all around. And Carthage is standing in front of some uh, major historical challenges. Here we get to the historical background of what's going on. So the year is 586 BCE. And Carthage, which is a Phoenician colony as a reminder, has just received word that the Phoenician city of Tyre is under siege by the forces of uh, Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian empire and this is something that everybody in the world realizes is a really big deal at the time because Nebuchadnezzar he is quite a household name already and he had by that point you could say ended three empires he had fought a battle against egypt and assyrian forces around two decades earlier That battle was the end of Assyria and greatly diminished the Egyptian influence in the region. And then just a year or two before the siege of Tyre, so before our scenario starts, Nebuchadnezzar also succeeded in besieging Jerusalem and put an end to the kingdom of Judea. So here, as the scenario starts, Tyre is under siege of Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody understands this is a big deal. So we we don't yet know if uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to succeed or not. But nobody can count anymore on Tyre and Finisher remaining powerful because it's Nebuchadnezzar, right? So anything can happen. Uh, And that's our setup for the second scenario. Carthage, as the descendant of Tyre, has now to expand its influence and has to prepare to take its own place in the world where maybe it will be the only surviving Finisher culture.
0: And so, Daniel, as the title suggests, it sounds like you'll be accumulating money and influence. So, how are you going to be using that to accumulate your own power? Yes. Yeah, so,
1: money is money, of course, and influence is both military and political. Carthage is at this point the biggest Phoenician colony and, in some ways, almost independent. That's not the only colony. Phoenicians have been uh, settling many places around the regions. And so, as the scenario begins, there are other colonies. There are some colonies, some are as close as Sicily, and some are as far as Iberia, so modern-day Spain. And those colonies, also due to the siege of Tyre, they have lost contact with Tyre. They cannot really survive by themselves. So it is your job as the ruler of Carthage to bring those colonies under your influence and create a sort of greater Finnish and Carthaginian empire. Of course, the choice is, as many times in the campaign, the choice is yours. You can conquer those colonies, or you can maybe offer them some political, economic incentives, make them see that they will be better off with you. So that is one half of the scenario. The other half deals with your economy. Ayer was known for being very, very rich. And as the scenario starts, you are also you're doing quite well. Your economy is well developed, but you are not as rich as the legendary city of Tyre. So you will have to make yourself self-sufficient in terms of precious metals, in terms of wood, in terms of crops and all the other uh, things that make an ancient economy boom.
0: Daniel, can you tell me who historically was the leader of Carthage at this time? The leader
1: of Carthage is King Mago, who is founder of the Magonid dynasty. And that dynasty is in turn one of the families that we have for Carthage. And his rule is quite well uh, documented. It is well known that King Mago, he really oversaw this transformation of Carthage from a powerful, almost independent colony to uh, what became a great empire.
0: Awesome. So in the first scenario, we were charged with kind of bringing this upstart colony to a point in which it could be considered something of competition. And now you're jumping ahead 100 years, about a century, and Carthage is pretty well established. At this point, when you're moving into the second scenario and you're trying to win this scenario, what kind of objectives are you hoping to obtain?
1: Your objectives will uh, once again be determined by your own choices in, in part. Because we have this recurring thing through the campaign where all of your families will be coming up with suggestions on what to do, on how to accomplish the objectives. But the overall overarching goals are going uh, to be of two types. So one is just to expand. You want every remaining Finnish colony to be under your influence one way or another. And the other overarching goal is to be rich. So you want every resource. You want money. You also want ships, which make sure that your shipments are protected because you are becoming quite an extensive empire geographically. So of course, you need a navy to protect that. And all of the goals will reflect that in one way or another. The overall structure of the scenario is the same. You will have 12 goals, as in the first scenario, as in all the others. And it will be your uh, the amount of goals you accomplish will determine what victory you get. Here, I should also say that In the second scenario, you do have some competition, finally. So in in the Oxhide scenario, it was just you and some tribes. There were no other nations present. And here, you have competition in the form of Greece. Historically, at the time, Greece consisted mostly of uh, city-states, of colonies that were loosely organized, and it is this collection of colonies around the region that is your competition in this scenario. The Romans called the, called them uh, Magna Graecia, uh, Greater Greece, and uh, these colonies were some of them were uh, on the southern tip of what is now Italy. The most significant uh, Greek colony that you interact with in the game is going to be Syracuse, and Syracuse is a really fun one. It is located on the, the eastern shores of Sicily, and you have a pretty uneasy piece as you begin the scenario with them because historically. Syracuse, and Carthaginians. They fought on and off for some three centuries. Their first fights were around this time uh, when the scenario starts, so early 6th century BC. Then for the next three centuries, they just kept fighting. They kept having occasional skirmishes because the, the Greeks sometimes wanted to take control of the whole island. Sometimes they wanted control of the resources there, and they never quite managed to. And Carthaginians, they also several times during the centuries, they never managed to do that. These wars are collectively known as the Sicilian Wars. Nobody's actually sure how to count them. I think sometimes people say there are seven Sicilian Wars. Sometimes they say there are eight Sicilian Wars because it's such an on and off thing. They kept fighting and fighting and then nothing really happened. It's a very inconclusive series of conflicts really.
0: So Daniel, in the game and in gameplay, how are the Greeks competing against you? Are they also trying to do or trying to accomplish their own set of victory conditions?
1: The Greeks, they are mostly there to be an obstacle to you, but we are not forcing you into conflict. So the Greeks, they definitely don't like the fact that you're around. They begin quite skeptical of your presence. And as you accomplish more goals, then their dislike of you grows stronger. They don't really like the fact that you're, you gobbled up one island, and then you took another island and took another island. In the city, it makes them quite uncomfortable. And the Greeks, of course, also see that, hey, you're looking to expand so that you have more resources. And guess what? Greece has resources. So that means Greece itself is in danger. One of the options you have, in fact, is to take some of the resources that you need from Greece directly. So we do not force you into conflict. It could be that the Greek AI decides to defend itself against you. It could be that you decide to attack Greece, but even if you don't go to war directly, here is again when where our base game events come into play. You can be pretty sure that Greece is not going to like you. And at this point in the base game of Old World, we have about 3,000 events. So there are many fun things that could happen due to Greece not liking you. I don't know which things. Uh, the player doesn't know which things. So each time you play the scenario, it could be quite different because Nobody knows what's going to happen.
0: And I remember you saying in the first scenario that there were some events specific to that scenario. Are there some events specific to this scenario as well?
1: Yes, of course. Uh, We have events specific to this scenario, not just events that give goals, but also historical events. In fact, we are doing better because I mentioned the first time around that the very early history of Carthage, it is not well documented. So in the first scenario, we don't have too many historical events. We're mostly using our imagination. Here, for the second scenario, we know much much better what was going on at the time. So we do receive news updates from the world. There is, uh, first and foremost, this Siege of Tyre that I mentioned as the setup. where it ends at one point. So we hear about how it ends. And we also get news about uh, Persians, about Greeks, about Egyptians. There are things happening in the world. Some of those things you can choose to react to. So those empires are a little bit too far to be involved in the scenario directly. But you still have your own choices when you hear that, oh, now Egypt is involved in this giant battle or, oh, now the Persians are attacking here. It is up to you how you choose to react. Are you going to... Be a little bit paranoid, build a little bit more defenses, or are you going to go even harder on stockpiling goods? So here we have a lot of actual historical events serving as a background.
0: And historically, did the Carthaginians have much communication with the Phoenicians at this point, or were they kind of cut off from that?
1: They were pretty much cut off at the start of the siege, and historically the siege then really served for Carthaginians to become uh, fully independent. The siege lasted uh, 13 years historically, and uh, that is, of course, a really long time. So by the end of those 13 years, Carthage had asserted itself much more. And after the siege, it, it was actually not such a big military victory for the Babylonians, but it did leave the Phoenicians much, much weaker politically and economically. So, 13 years later, which would be the passage of 13 turns in our scenario, yes, there was no question that Carthage is the dominant Phoenician empire
0: now. And with that, after a few turns, after 13 turns or so, or maybe midway through the scenario, are you still going to be hearing from the Phoenicians at all? I know that in the first scenario, they did kind of have the communication with you. They were still requesting things from you. Will they be requesting anything from you here?
1: No, they are not really in a position to do that anymore. And also you as Carthage, even if you wanted to, you're probably not in a position to send help. So uh, Phoenicians are quite isolated because of the siege. And it was really difficult to send some help. Carthage was building up its navy. And even if it could send help, it was maybe not such a good idea at the time to make enemies with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, the most powerful uh, military force. In the empire. So eventually you just hear that, okay, the siege is over and now it's really time for you to fend for yourself because you did not help Phoenicians and nobody is going to help you if somebody comes knocking either. So go ahead and do what you can.
0: Now, so that Carthage has established itself in the ashes of Phoenicia in some ways, where does Carthage go from here?
1: That's a very good way of putting it. So as you begin, Carthage is an all right nation. As you end the second scenario, Carthage is the richest, the most influential nation in the Mediterranean region. It has a lot of money. It has a navy. It has influence. It's famous. Uh, And so one of the things that happens towards the end is that you get some emissaries from this little, uh, not so powerful nation called Rome. And, uh, well, at the time you go and you sign a peace treaty with them, you're not going to uh, stop these punny Romans from doing much of anything. They will not encroach on your lands. You will even do some trade. So that's just a treaty. And uh, I think that is a really good preview of what is going to happen later in the campaign. uh, As those who know history will uh, surely recognize that the peace between Carthage and Rome didn't really last very long.
0: Yeah, no, that was my first thought was how long will
1: that last? (laughs) Yeah, uh, and... Even signing this treaty, it wasn't the first uh, or the second. I think this was the third decent trade treaty that uh, they signed. So we can just conclude that it wasn't always easy to keep uh, keep promises back in antiquity. And that maybe all this repeated signing of treaties also indicates they didn't really cost one another that much.
0: Right. Yes. So it's setting the stage for some much broader drama coming soon. So, Daniel, I assume this scenario will be released tomorrow then.
1: That's right. It will be available in the game update tomorrow. And after your game updates, you will be able to find it in the same scenario menu as you were able to find the first scenario.
0: And Daniel, could you tell me a little bit about how a player would continue their campaign? So if they've played through the first scenario and they want to move on to the second scenario, how does the continuity of that work?
1: Here we have a really cool feature of the Rise of Cartage campaign, which is that you can indeed continue from where you left off and you can import your save game into the the second scenario and continue from there. So first, I should note that, of course, you always have the option of just starting a new scenario game. You can start the second scenario with its defaults and preset settings and all of that. But if you play through the first scenario and you have a save game where you won the first scenario, you have to have won it, then you can import it into the second scenario. And what that does is that it will preserve certain choices that you have made. For example, one of the big ones would be the assignment of cities and families. Every city that you have in the second scenario, if you had a corresponding city in the first one and you choose to import, then your family assignment will be preserved. There are also some other things that will be preserved, for example, some improvements that you have built if their location makes sense it will be preserved some of the units that you may be promoted in the first scenario so the units themselves will not carry over but some of the same promotions could be applied to the same kind of units in the second scenario possibly and what i think is the coolest thing about importing your safe game is that event choices you made in the first scenario they will also be preserved and they could play a role in the second scenario. For instance, some of the later game goals in the first scenario that you may have completed, they will then have an effect in the second scenario. I don't want to spoil too many of those cases, but just to name one would be that if you chose to build a larger navy in the first scenario, which was an optional goal, if you completed that, then in the second scenario, you are going to get a bonus to ship production because your people are already so experienced that they can build ships better. This reflects our overall approach to the campaign. Each scenario is history-based. So the turn one, the starting position of each scenario, roughly corresponds to where Carthage was in history at the time. But if you import your previous save game, then you are going to change that starting position just a little bit. And some of your achievements or some of your goals will also play a role going forward.
0: Very cool. So just an opportunity to to kind of change history a little bit.
1: Yes, although not as much as in some of the later scenarios, but we'll we'll get to that really fun part soon.
0: Thank you so much for being here, Solver. I really appreciate you telling us about the scenario two called Riches and Influence and look forward to hearing back from you with the third scenario.
1: Thank you, Rob, and I know I'll be back soon enough to uh, talk about the third scenario as well. And I hope our players enjoy the second scenario. And again, thanks to everyone who has played through the first one and also provided feedback feedback on our various channels.
0: And if they have any suggestions or feedback for the second scenario, they know where to find you on Discord, right?
1: Yes, we read uh, the Discord religiously. So anyone that says things about the first or the second scenario, good or bad or neutral, May not respond to everything, but we definitely read everything.
0: Thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you for having me again.